Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvie, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Drifting right, throwing, what a catch! That was Kelsey pulling it down for the first down on a fourth and two. Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. And go up top for it, just lobs it right over Hamilton, and they have the first down with Kelsey's fourth catch. Mahomes backpedals to the 37. He's got time. All kinds of time. Now escapes. Fires it at the last second, and Kelsey caught it. Now going to run for it. He's got it. Just outside the five. It's back to Pacheco. Pacheco drives across for the Chiefs touchdown. Second and seven. Kelsey has just tied the Jerry Rice reception record for career catches in the playoffs. Wow, that's like not even a thing I thought anybody could touch. I never Jerry thought. Jerry says yeah, exactly. numbers that you can't. Best of all time there. And that's what Kelsey's trying to do. Mahomes down the field. Wide open. It's Kelsey again who's having just a monster first half. He gets the protection. He goes long and on his back to ice it is Marquez Valdez-Scampling for the second straight week. And he's heading back to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. And a chance to become the first team since New England of 2003 and four to go back to back. I think a lot of people have sort of dictated it as such that Tom Brady's still the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time because of the many years that he played, all the accomplishments that he has had. But many have sort of said that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest they've seen. If, if, if you can do that. I, I That's the category I find myself in. Like I will always, Tom Brady's more accomplished at this point. But I think what I've watched from Patrick Mahomes playing the position and the things he does is more impressive than what I've seen from Tom Brady. Tom Brady will always be the GOAT until Patrick Mahomes passes him in terms of accomplishments. But I look, I don't think Patrick Mahomes has any peer in the game today. It's him and everybody else. And to do what he's been able to do, like I, I mean, the, the stats and the comparison are crazy. And again, I know it's a different time and a different era. But here is the, the Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in their first six years. Patrick Mahomes is 72 and 22 in the regular season. Tom Brady is 70 and 24. In the postseason, Patrick Mahomes is 14 and 3. Tom Brady, 12 and 2. Patrick Mahomes has been to four AFC title games. Tom Brady with three. Uh, Super Bowl rings. Patrick Mahomes has two. Tom Brady has three. That may change. Touchdown interception ratio. Patrick Mahomes, 258 touchdowns, 69 interceptions. Tom Brady, 167 touchdowns, 87 interceptions. Quarterback rating, 103.7 for Patrick Mahomes, 88.4 for Brady. Now, again, different eras. I mean, sort of, kind of. Game's a little bit different. But Patrick Mahomes has, if he wins this third Super Bowl in two weeks then he will be on par with what Brady had accomplished in his first six years. And his statistics will be even more impressive. That's the thing. The, so, the, the individual statistics. Yeah. Like Brady got, his individual statistics got bigger as he got older. Yeah. 
he he hit the fifty. And again, the eras were, were different. Like it's like he 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 was playing as the stats then got bigger and and better. But but still, like Mahomes has been the best quarterback since day one as far as stats during the regular season. Process this. In 2018, it was Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter. In 16 games, he completed 66% of his passes for 5,100 yards, 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He had 113.8 quarterback rating and an 80 QBR. And that, like, do you remember, like, people are like, get over it, guys. Like, how do you watch that as a Bears fan? Oh, yeah. With Mitch, the son of a Mitch ball, in his first year starting and how are you able to process that? Where in his first year he does that? Well, and, and come full circle to this full circle. It's been six years. How about this year? Where in the middle of the season we were taking phone calls from people saying, see, see that's he's what not it looks that like. great. Yeah. This is what it looks like when you don't have great players around you. See, he's back in the Super Bowl this season yeah, this with that same group that you all were. And that's what pure greatness looks like. Like there are different ways to do it. With different casts of characters, um, it, it's I, and I did it yesterday. You were talking about it, Waddle. That you learned a lesson that you're not going to bet against them. Like, not only did I pick the Ravens, but then yesterday, while the Ravens got down, I'm like, now's a good time to bet the Ravens. Live bet the Ravens. I live bet the Ravens at plus three and a half. I'm like, I got the hook here. Like, even if they lose by three, I'm going to win the bet. And I live bet the Ravens at like plus one sixty to win. So See, my like, mistake was is I should have just taken, because I believed the Ravens. I'm not going to run from it. I believe the Ravens were going to win. I should have taken Patrick Mahomes and the points, thinking that the Ravens would win by a field goal or so. But I didn't. I took the Ravens on the money line and was cheering for Patrick Mahomes throughout the course of the entire game, which makes no sense. It wasn't a big bet, but yeah, I, I get it. Like they're a fun. Like they, I think they make the Super Bowl more Super Bowly. If if you know I what like I mean. I like Andy Reid. Yeah. I like Patrick Mahomes. I like Travis Kelsey. I'm not bothered with the the Taylor Swift issue. Their defense is fun to watch because their defense was even better than their offense this year for the majority of the season. Yeah, I, I like the I like his quest for. For, for trying to accomplish something that only Tom Brady has done. I like watching greatness. Yeah. Do you want me to read? Here, here's a couple of tweets. And then we'll get to the calls you asked about, like the Taylor Swift stuff. I'm still blown away by how many people are threatened or just uh, triggered by Taylor Swift. Um, tweets by Jay says this. People don't like Swift because they're basically the gatekeeper of the NFL. Sports for men. And they want nothing to do to girlify their man's sport. And then there's this from Adam Prindle, who says, men don't want to tune into every single football game and have it be dominated by a female pop star. That's obviously there for political reasons. I don't know what that means. And then he adds this to it. If you guys that all work for ESPN want to play dumb, like you don't want to see what's going on, that's on you. I don't know what that what means. Is, what does that mean? I don't know. We're all sheep. Listen, I, I mean, like they show her maybe two or three times. It doesn't affect how I, I, I love view the word the game. I love the word dominating, doing a lot of work in that sentence. How, how much times? do we see her 
Yeah. And, and, and Jeff, how many times do they show you fans in the stands that are celebrating a big play? Or guys grabbing, the, you know, I mean. they're putting their hands on their head when their favorite team makes a mistake. It's no real different than well, showing fans in the stands. This is from years ago, but I remember there being a study done where in the course of like a three to three and a half hour broadcast, there was roughly 21 to 23 minutes of actual game right. action. They need to fill, when you're not seeing commercials and you're actually seeing the stadium, you need to see something. Right, like, like yeah, and you guys, I guess, talked about this on Friday. Isn't it a bigger issue that the, the your your color analyst for CBS is checked out or doesn't know half the time what the hell's actually going on in the game than five cutaways of Taylor Swift? Everything is like confusing for him. Where like everything is relaxed and dissected and explained on Fox. Yeah, and then Romo is like. What's the movie, the 10-second Tom? We used to talk about that all the time. What movie is that from? Where was the it Drew guy, Barrymore one with Adam Sandler, It was Sandler, Drew Barrymore, right? yes. And, and like, 50 First Dates. Was it from 50 First Dates? Yeah. Is it not? And, and like, so, because she, she doesn't remember anything? Yeah. They, every day her memory would. And then I think he took her to see 10-second Tom where he would forget stuff that he would say every 10 seconds. So, like... Romo will see a play and and try to explain it, and then they'll show the replay the second time, and then he'll explain it like he's seeing it for the first time. And then they'll show it the third time, and then he'll explain it like he's seeing it the first time again. Oh, Jim. I, oh, I think that's, that's incomplete. And then they'll show it a second time and go, Jim, that may be incomplete. You just said that. It, it, and and I gotta be you honest, know, and I got to be honest with you, that doesn't ruin the experience of watching a football game for me either. I, I actually think it makes it goofier. Yeah, it I mean, happened with the Zay Flowers fumble. He, he, yeah. he yes, like yes, was, yes. That, that's I think the, the time that I'm referencing. If you were to spin that back, every t- every angle he got, it was like the first time he was viewing it, and he was trying to explain it. But yet we had seen it and we knew that it was a fumble the first time we saw it. The first replay we saw. Yet he was still trying to dissect what the hell was going on. Isn't that a bigger problem than showing five cutaways in the entire game of Taylor Swift? If you're a hardcore guy sitting down to watch your football, I would think you'd be more bothered by your analyst not describing it for you versus a gratuitous shot of one of the most famous people on the planet occasionally. Uh, Scott in Lakeview, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Scott? Hey, guys. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yep. Yeah. Oh, perfect. All right. Favorite, my favorite show on, on the radio. i got to say that. Thank um, you. Yeah, when I heard the topic, I, I was actually laughing because I was actually picking up my 12-year-old daughter from Starbucks after school, and it's the first thing that she would normally do is is... is tell me to turn off sports radio because she can't stand it and put on Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> now you get both. It, yes. So, yes, now I get both. So I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's funny as I find this. It was I've been trying to get her to at least acknowledge football her entire life, and mm-hmm. she won't even look at it. This was the only way it was going to happen, was that Taylor Swift is now on TV with, with NFL games. And, now, and I actually took her to her first Bears game this year. It was against the Carolina that Thursday night game. And she's asking questions. She's like, what's the yellow thing they throw on the field, the referees? you know?" And it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it took Taylor Swift 
for this to happen. And it was like, <laughs> I, I've been trying for, for five, six, seven years to get her to at least acknowledge football on TV when I watch it all the time. And, and it finally happened, and it took her to do it. So I, I just want to like That's great. anyone yeah. out there. Whatever it yeah. takes. Unless yeah. unless it's you want to be left alone and watch the game without your kids bothering you, but many would like to sit down and watch a game yeah. with their daughter. And I listen, that's why I asked. I mean, how many people are now watching games with their daughters because they may get a gratuitous shot of Taylor Swift in the stand? Here's a tweet from Jay. He says, my 14-year-old has zero interest in Taylor Swift, but my soon-to-be 9-year-old is obsessed with her. I don't think it's had a direct impact on her interest in football, but she's been paying more attention in general, so I guess you never know. Um, Adam... Says, I, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. no. Um, says, uh, my 13-year-old Swifty tells me that Taylor Swift made Kelsey famous and relevant now, which is why the situation aggravates me. So he gets aggravated because he thinks it's the opposite. You know what aggravates me is when I watch a group of officials bungle calls day after day, time after time, quarter after quarter, in the middle of the two of the most important games. Now, I didn't think that there was a whole lot of uh, of of bad calls that went on in in these two games, but every Sunday you sit down and you watch poorly officiated games. That bothers me more than a gratuitous shot of somebody in a press box. Billy Boyle tweets and he says this. He says, "I saw a stat. I don't know if it's true that Taylor Swift during the game was only on for twenty four seconds." Yeah, I, but, I I I only saw her twice or maybe three times until I think the. I didn't watch the post-game celebration, but I guess she was on the field right. making out with her boyfriend, which yeah, is cool. I don't great. care. The only one in-game that might have been a little gratuitous was when CBS was promoting the Grammys, and they showed her for an extended period of time. Now, this was, like I think, before the game even really got going, and then you could see her actually mouth, just leave me alone, because she was on the camera for a longer period of time. But oh, they really? Had, they had self-interest because they were promoting the Grammys, which Taylor Swift she said, is... Just leave, she knew she was on camera, and she said, just leave me alone? Yeah, she mouthed, I believe it was, uh, leave me alone already. Something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But again, it, th- at that moment, it was one of the longer shots you actually shot, saw of her. And my wife and I have bonded over this. Like, this is my, like she has always been a sports fan, but now she, like... I've I've sent her pictures over all this stuff, the Andy Reid picture with Taylor Swift after the game, and I love that, you know. And, and she takes like she's taking a back seat. Uh, did you see too? Like I, I think Golik pointed this out on his show today. Like when Jason Kelsey, did you see the the mic'd up stuff with Jason I and Jason um, was there again? Great brother. <laughs> you were blown he was in away. Timeout though it seemed like. What do you mean? He like, was like in the back, wasn't really doing much. Shirt he was on? just kind of shirt was it's on because his wife probably told him to settle down. Um, during during the celebration, he was on field hugging um, his brother, telling him go win the thing and everything like that. Like Taylor was there, and once Jason came there, like she completely backed out, got out of the way, let the brothers have their moment. Like. I shouldn't point that out or shouldn't have to. That's what it's normal could, life. That's 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 what anyone does. Yes. So, but like she is not attention seeking is, I guess, my point. Like this is not like someone looking to I, I would. This tell, is just somebody who is is dating somebody famous, two famous people dating. I think if you're bothered by the attention that is shown, then you are just exacerbating your own problem by bringing it up or being bothered by it. Like, it's just, it's, and by the way, this is entertainment. 
This is part of the package. Yeah. Like at the NFL, you know, I mean, like you go to games, they're going to play music at breaks. They're going to do different things. There's going to be interviews. Like this is it's three and a half hours of entertainment is what it's supposed to be. Yep. Ryan and Glenn Ellen, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Ryan? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I think this whole Taylor Swift effect has been just awesome, especially if you're a dad with a teenage daughter. I mean, Tom, you could probably relate. Teenage daughters don't want to speak to their dads or even hang out with them. That's correct. So just to be able to have my daughter with me, she's watched all of Wild Card Weekend. She watched all of Divisional Weekend. She watched all of uh, NFC AFC Championship Weekend. But in addition, she's like asking questions, wanting to get engaged with the game. She asked what a tight end does. So we will have that conversation with her about like the actual strategy of a tight end and what he does and the dual role of blocking and receiving and what makes Travis Kelsey a little bit more significant than your traditional tight end. And now she's asking more questions about defense and just kind of getting into the strategy and the nuts and bolts of it. So the fact that it took Taylor to get my daughter to that place, I think is absolutely fantastic. And if you have issues with that, either you're just, it's your own insecurity or your own issues or you're just you're not a suburban dad like myself that just wants to have a conversation with your daughter and they spend some time. So uh, I'm all for it. Uh, whether this is long term sustainable, who knows? But for the short term, I know myself and other dads we're we're probably enjoying just being able to have some quality time with our teenage daughters for sure. Amen. Amen to that, Ryan. Look, if, if they were cutting away from the game to show her yeah. while the plays were going on, I got to understand your beef. But they haven't missed a single play, I don't think, at any game that she's been at that they've televised. I just don't. I mean, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. I don't watch the game hoping to see her. But I'm not bothered in any moment when they put her on my television. Tom and Griffith, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Tommy? Hey, uh, it's TE2. (laughs) You guys talked to me before. Remember you called me Ditka? (laughs) What's going on? Ditka. (laughs) Well, listen, I've just been listening to you guys, and I listen to you guys all the time, every day, actually. And uh, this whole thing with Taylor Swift is a joke with some of these people, to tell you the truth. My 12-year-old, well, she'll be 12 in August, and his granddaughter is now, uh, she come over here Friday night, she's got this Taylor Swift this, Taylor Swift this. She's watching football now. And actually, I mean, I was like surprised because she's been a cheerleader for two years now, her and her sister, and they won two things. They went down to Florida twice and won a thing, the championship for Pop Warner. And it's like, this is this is things where bringing people to make, pay more attention. I mean, how many guys go to their games with their wife? It's a good question. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but, I, I mean, I look at the stands. I mean, see guys every week, you know, even to Bears game or whatever, with their wives alongside them or a girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But this is all help for, I mean, great for the league, actually. Sure. Oh, yeah, it's great for the popularity of the league, for sure. Uh, Jeff in L.A., you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. When I was in high school in the late 70s, Edward Van Halen was everything for me, right? So if he had been dating, say, like a badminton player, (laughs) and he was going to badminton tournaments, I'd watch every single badminton tournament just to see him. You know what I mean? You're, you don't get to see when you have when you're a huge fan. You don't get to see your these people very often. So, for Taylor Swift fans to be able to see her in a different in environment, real life, yeah. yeah, in real life, it's a huge, huge moment. And for anybody who's upset about it, they're just jealous. Yeah, really. 
You know what I mean? Who did, who did Eddie Van? Didn't he marry uh, Valerie, Valerie Bertinelli? Yeah. Bernal. So you yeah. could have watched yeah. his show because of uh, Eddie. Yeah, but he wouldn't be there. That's you know? true. That is true. I like how you use badminton, too. Like There's yeah. so many other sports you could have gone to. You swimming. could soccer Sorry, and swimming. swimming. <laughs> Tennis. And I didn't mean to be sexist, but... Volleyball. No, but I think your point was well taken, and, Jeff. Like, like nobody's yeah. watching uh, badminton, but if Eddie Van Halen's there watching badminton, you're going to watch badminton. Right. Without a guitar, whatever, but there's just Eddie Van Halen yeah. standing there. All right, um... So we'll take more of your phone calls coming up. 312-332-3776. Talking about uh, Championship Sunday and, and both of those games. And then Ron Rivera is going to join us coming up. Of course, he was dubbed Riverboat Ron for taking chances in many of the games. Going back to his Carolina days, then with Washington. We'll talk to him, of course, about the Bears. And they got a guy who he worked with for many, many years as the Bears knew Defensive coordinator. We'll talk to him about Montez Sweat. So much to get after. Remember, you can always listen to us on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2. And, of course, by downloading that ESPN Chicago app. We just had one of our fans walk by who showed us on his phone that he was watching us, too, on his phone. Uh, You can watch us on our new YouTube channel. It's YouTube a live ESPN Chicago, or you can watch us on twitch.tv and our channel is ESPN 1000 Chicago. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Let's uh, talk some football with a guy who's been friend of the show for a long time. Before that, friend of yours, friend of mine, Ron Rivera was a teammate of Waddle uh, with the Bears. Good old number 59. And then uh, I got to produce Rivera and Kaz back uh, down the dial at WGN. That's when I first met him. Then he started his uh, great run uh, with his coaching career with the Bears, uh, eventually became the defensive coordinator with the Bears, then was the head coach of the Carolina Panthers and uh, was the the uh, head coach of the Washington Redskins and then the Commanders they became. And he joins us right now on the Waddle and Sylvie show as he joins us on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Ron, how you feeling these days? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing great. Doing well. Doing well. I, I, I put your analyst hat on, Ronnie. Tell us, what what did you see yesterday? Analyze those two championship games for us. Well, I'll tell you what. If you look at what happened with uh, with uh, Kansas City and, uh, and Baltimore. The biggest thing, more so than anything else, was uh, Baltimore really was very, very inconsistent offensively. Uh, they struggled to, to, to keep any momentum going. Uh, every time they had an opportunity, uh, unfortunately, they were forced to turn the ball over. Uh, a lot of credit to what Steve Spagnola did with that defense for Kansas City. It was very impressive in terms of just the way he mixed it up, the way he brought pressures. He, he ran zone pressures. He ran man pressures, which kind of kept uh, the quarterback off balance and didn't let Lamar Jackson get comfortable back there. Uh, constantly pressured him, forced him to move in the pocket and didn't allow him to set his feet. Or when he started to scramble, uh, you know, he wasn't as effective as he typically was for the most part because of the way they, uh, they spied him 
Anytime uh, the, the protection started to break down, the quarterback, you know, he tried to pull the ball down. There seemed to be somebody always in, the, in, in his way that didn't allow him to get going as far as running the ball like he typically does. So hats off to what they did as far as uh, Kansas City defense. And, uh, you know, I think that was really the big difference in the game. What about Dan Campbell in the Lions game? I thought, like, you were the perfect guy to talk to because, you know, several years ago you got the nickname mm-hmm. uh, Riverboat Ron, and you embraced that. A lot mm-hmm. of times you would go for it, and, and, and it would really help the team uh, mm-hmm. get, get behind everything. So Dan Campbell, it, it's how, he, how he's built the team, but now because yep. it didn't work, uh, a lot of people are taking shots. He should have settled for three. Someone okay. like you who's been the head coach, yep. when you hear the criticism, what do you say? Well, this is the funny thing, uh, because I do believe analytics basically said that he should yep. kick the field goal and instead of going for it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's one of those funny things that one minute everybody wants to quote analytics and the next minute nobody wants to quote analytics and they want to take shots at people. Trust me, it's what he, the decisions he made were very difficult decisions to make. He made them be, the way he did, in my opinion, because he was sticking true to who he is and who his football team is, the way they, he built them. Okay, and if, if it had been successful, everybody would have lauded him, everybody loved him. It's exactly what happened with Sean Payton when he kicked the onside kick in the Super Bowl against, uh, against Peyton Manning. Remember that? And everybody thought, oh, my God, that's fantastic. That's great. What a great move. Now, what if it hadn't worked? <laughs> okay, so, again, I mean, it's so easy to take those pot shots. I think Dan Campbell just stuck true to who he is, and kudos to him for doing that. He believes in his guys. That's why he did it. He's believed in them since he's got there. Okay, they suffered through a very difficult season their first year, their second year. You know, they were, they were, they were average. Okay, but they were, there was something there, and he knew it. I went through the same thing. My first three years was the same exact situation, except we didn't get to the NFC Championship game. But my first three years, if, if my owner hadn't, hadn't you know, believed in me enough to keep me there and I hadn't believed in our guys to start going for it on fourth downs, we wouldn't have had the, we wouldn't have the run that we had. So I think everybody, if, unless you've been there, don't draw me a map. You know, <laughs> it's just one of my favorite things. I, you know, people are always yeah. telling me what to do, and it's like, well, nobody's ever done what we do. There's only 32 of those jobs. And when a guy like Dan Campbell does what he does and has the success he's, he has, he should be applauded for it. Ron, take us inside the decision-making. When you're standing on the sideline in that short time, and you mentioned analytics, mm-hmm. you've got yeah. the headset on. So, mm-hmm. like, who are you talking to and how much of the decision is based on the analytic numbers, the numbers and the math about the percentages and what you feel in your gut, Odd, we just need to go for it based yep. on your feel of the game. You know, it's funny. I mean, I consider and say, you know, it, it, uh, you know it, it's all based on my gut or it's all based on analytics. And it's funny because there's been a couple of times when I've gone for it um, and I've thought to myself, you know, the only reason I think I'm going for it is because I've heard the percentages. Okay, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it's funny because when the analytics say go for it and you go for it, you don't get it, everybody says, hey, that's all right. That's what the number said. But it's not really all right because, again, just because it says, hey, you're going you're gonna to convert eight out of ten times, what's that one happen? What happens if you're just those two times when you don't? You know what I'm saying? It's okay because you did what the number said, you went with the percentages. Or because of your gut feeling, because you know that your way your defense is playing, the way your defense is shut people down. 
you know, that you're willing to do it. I, I can tell you right now, I've done that because our defense was playing really well against their offense, and I just knew we could hold them. That's why we did what we did. Or, you know what, the reason I kicked it was because I didn't have the confidence that we could stop them. Uh, again, real quick, uh, so, so I just thought we'd take the points right now and then see what happens. That's you know why, I mean? yeah, Ronnie, that's why I watched the game, and I was like, look, I, I, Dan Campbell knows his team better than I know his team. Yep. Dan Campbell knows that he's got an explosive offense and a defense that is bottom five in pass defense. Yep. I'm yep. facing the 49ers, so, I mean, I'd rather, if I have an opportunity, rely on my offense to, to convert versus to rely on my defense to stop a really good offense. Does that play yeah. into the rationale as well? Absolutely. That's exactly the way he thinks about it. And he understands his guys better than anybody. And again, he's the guy that showed everybody that you got to believe, you got to trust, you got to be willing to put it out there. And that's what he's always done. So kudos to Coach for, for sticking to who he believes uh, his team is. How many times, Ron, does a, a decision that's made, whether it's a good decision and one of your players screws up and makes it look bad, and how many times... Does a player save your ass by making a great play when you made a bad call? Absolutely. That's all part of it, too. And, 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 and nothing ever tells you what the weather's going to be like during the game. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so when the analyst comes up, it doesn't know whether it's raining, it's snowing. Okay, The analyst doesn't know who's hurt, who's not hurt. All right, so again, you've got to make decisions based on what you think is best for your organization at that point in time. You know, you do it based on your gut, based on your feel. And if somebody gives you a number or two that says, hey, look, you know, just so you know, it is in our favor here to do that. Maybe that just helps, you know, reinforce what you're doing and gives you even more confidence to go out and do it. So, so again, it's, you just got to understand the flow of the game. You know, and, and back in, you know, in, 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 in 2013 when I started doing that, what had happened was I had gotten some great advice from John Madden who said to me, he said, Ron, go with your gut instinct. Go with your feel. Go with your experience. You've played enough football. You've coached enough football to know better than anybody else what your team can and can't do. That's a great story. Uh, you re- you remember Cap, right? You know, Cap's yeah. always got a hot take. How could you not? Yeah. How could you forget Cap? He, Cap's got a <laughs> – he, he just had a rant about analytics the other day. He hates yeah. the going for two when you're down 14. What do you what do you think about this that has become commonplace in the NFL right now? Well, it's not, and it's, honestly, it's not necessarily commonplace in the NFL because some people do look at it this way: if you go, if you score a touchdown, you got all this momentum, you just grind one out, you score a touchdown, and then you go for two and you get stopped. Now what happens? Now you've just taken away the momentum you just created. It might work on the reverse. You know what I'm saying? The answer is, well, if you go for two and you don't get it, well, then you can score again and then you can go for two again. Okay? Well, if it's hard to go for two and, and, and convert once, is it going to be hard to convert again? You know what I'm saying? Or, or the analyst saying, what's well, a 50-50 proposition? <laughs> well, right. what if it's 50-50 if you get to try it four times? Then you know you go 0 for 2 the first two, and then you go for 2 for 2 the next, uh, two for 4 the next time. So now you're 50-50. See what I'm saying? So there's nothing tells you whether you're going to do it for sure or not. You just have to be willing to try. Uh, Ron, as we're talking big picture NFL issues right now, I'd love to get your take on the officiating. We, we, I think, maybe we complain about it too much as viewers of the game, but for somebody who's in the middle of it, I'd like to know, A, 
Do you think that it is adequate? And if not, how does the league get better at the overall officiating of a game that, that we all admit is very hard to officiate because there are mm-hmm. so many great yep. athletes moving at a high rate of speed. Yep. And that's exactly it. And in my opinion, you got to add some more eyes. I, I, that's the one thing I believe it could help the, the officiating. I know it's expensive to do it. And I know that's what everybody's concerned about, the added expense. But if you added a couple more sets of eyes, you could really, truly do a really good job, in my opinion. You know, like you've only got two guys in the, in the, in the offensive backfield, and you've got, you've got three guys in the uh, defensive backfield. All right, and you got two line, two guys on the sidelines. So, if you added a couple more sets of eyes, I think you could be even better as far as the refereeing is concerned. You know, because I, I do agree, it is a very difficult job. It's, it's, it, it, things are happening real fast at real time, and it's tough to catch everything. That's why a couple sets of eyes is something that you have to have. I mean. With, with, with everything that's going on in the league, with, with gambling now yes. playing a big part of it, because we see it every week, the integrity of what's going on during the action of a game is so important to so many people now. For, for whatever the reason is, we have to make sure we get it right. And that's what the league is trying to do. Now, consistency is probably the biggest thing that's going on right now, and it needs to happen, is, is if you're going to call them, call them. If you're not going to call them, don't call them. But you have to be consistent. It's got to go out through the entire game to say at least the refereeing was consistent. That's a huge plus. Would you be an advocate, Ron, of, of, of expanded use of instant replay? Uh, let's just say, let's say specifically for, for roughing yes. the quarterback. Oh, yeah. For, for, uh, there, there's a couple things that there have to be, but you have to limit the amount of usage because if you did, those games would be four-and-a-half, five-hour games. <laughs> you know, so, so to me, again, certain penalties are going to be called roughly the quarterback. Helmet-to-helmet contact. Stuff like that I think would be very important to have. Ron Rivera joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. Right, another reason why we wanted to talk to you is Eric Washington. Eric Washington yeah. is a former uh, defensive line coach here, obviously, in Chicago. He has worked under you for many years. What are the Bears getting in their new D.C.? Well, first and foremost, you're getting probably one of the better defensive line coaches throughout the entire league. He really is one of the really good ones. Look at what he's helped do in Buffalo with that pass rush. You know, he's helped train some of the really good pass rushers in this league. Uh, he did a terrific job for us when we were in uh, when we were in Carolina. Uh, we had we had we had one of the top pass rushing uh, groups in, in in the league. I mean, he's he really is very very good at the pass rush, and you know, I think it's brilliant what what what, what they did in bringing him in there and and, and helping uh, add him to the defensive staff as the coordinator. I think it's it, it, it's a smart, very smart move. The pass rushes they have, you know, Montez Sweat. Uh, you know, who you guys got from us in a big trade? Um, that's going to be a good. That, that's going to be even even an even much more dynamic player for everybody. Tell us about the dynamic that exists between being the head coach and and also the active play caller. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, Eric will be the DC, but I think that Matt Eberflus has said he's going to continue to call defenses. Well, I think that that that'll be a, a really good thing because a guy like Eric can really focus in on helping to put the game plan together, implementing the game plan, but also he can stick to his expertise as well, and that is making sure the pass rush is very, very consistent throughout the entire game and not not trying to focus on the entire defense and calling the plays. Hmm. What? So you mentioned sweat. Take us mm-hmm. inside your building when when the trade deadline was coming up. And, and the push and pull 
over trading sweat? Well, the biggest thing more than anything else is it, it, is it was a paradigm switch in, 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 in the way the team was going to be built. Okay, when I was there originally with, with, with Dan Snyder, it was, hey, we can build, we want to build this, you know, this defense, the defense first. Now I think when you look at what they're doing, and I don't want to speak for them, but it, it's a very apparent now it's about building the offense, finding that quarterback, and making sure to put all kinds of, 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 of playmakers around that quarterback. That's kind of what it looks like to me. So does it make sense? Yes. If that's, if that's going to be the commitment and how they want to put it together, then what they did was, you know, find the value, saw what they saw in, 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 in Montez's value, and, and made the decision to go with it. Does he still have room to grow in your estimation, oh, yeah. Ronnie? Yes, yes, I really truly believe that. I think he's going to, I mean, I think he's just scratching the surface of who he is. I mean, you know, he's a guy that's about as dynamic a pass rusher as there is. He's a guy that's got the kind of a ability to, uh, to, to impact a game. He makes the guys around him better. And, and, and again, watching a couple of your guys' games um, at the, near the end of the season, just watching him play, you could see how the guys around him benefited from this guy's ability to get vertical as a pass rusher, force the quarterback to step up, force them to, 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 to chip him or double him on his way up the field. So, so guys are now getting more one-on-one treatments. Hey, Ron, speaking of dynamic play, can you walk us through like trying to to game plan for a player like Justin Fields, who you faced in each of the last oh. two years, and how difficult it is, and, and just what what is your plan of attack with regard to trying to contain a dual threat quarterback? Well, see, and that's exactly it. it it's, it's it's a dual threat quarterback is about as dangerous as it gets. The hard part for the dual threat quarterbacks is staying healthy now. Um, you know, because it, it seems to me that you don't see as much of the protection for those guys as you do for a true dropback guy. Because, again, the dual threat guy, he brings it upon himself because once he tucks that football, once he starts to move in that pocket and, and he looks like he's a runner, now all bets are off. He can get hit and take those, have to take those big shots. And that's one of the, that's one of the things that, that, in my opinion, with these dual threats, you see it starting to wear on these young players, you know. Um, again, Justin's missed a couple of games because of it. What happened uh, to, to the kid up in, um, in Richardson up in Indianapolis this year, getting hurt his rookie year? You know, so that's, that's a whole different set of dynamics that you now have to account for as far as those kind of guys. What we tried to do anytime we had to face that was, you know, we had to have different sets of rules for the RPO action. We had to have different sets of rules for, um, for the zone reads and how we were going to play those. We were going to play what we called we had mesh attacks. We had what we called a rope technique. I mean, those, those quarterbacks demand so much more of your work you know, during the practice week. And, and, and then if they don't do those things, you've wasted your time preparing for it. Then all of a sudden you've got a guy going hard play action, dropping back and, you know, and reading your coverages and, then, and, and hitting, you know, hitting number 12 up the seam on us for a touchdown. I mean, th- th- those are things that you, you don't necessarily always prepare for, and all of a sudden he's doing because he's not running the ball this much, as much this week, and, and that's what the game plan called for. I mean, now I'm just reflecting on what happened in our game, but, you know, we had prepared for a lot of the RPO. We prepared for a lot of the quarterback runs, and then the next thing you know, he's going, you know, you guys are running the football, then coming play action off of it, and, you know, got us off balance a little bit and, and made a couple big explosives with, uh, you know, with, with uh, D.J. Moore. Ron Rivera joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. That was one of his best games. Did you see an improved thrower in that game? 
I did. I saw a guy that anticipated very well and put the ball out where it needed to be run, uh, thrown to give their, his receiver the chance to run and get him. You know, he, he did some really good things, really dynamic things that show what he's capable of. And, you know, I think, you know, they're in a very interesting position holding the number one pick in the draft. I mean, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a great spot to be in, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a couple of big decisions they're going to have to make. When, like, do you have a lean one way or another? Oh, I, I uh, you know, it, it, it's tough because I think the, the, the quarterback group that's coming out this year is, is one of the better ones in the last few years. So, you know, you got to really study them and look at them and look at what the impact is. Um, and then you got to make your decision on what you want to do with them. How difficult, Ron, from your perspective, do you think it is for a quarterback? Like if they move forward with Justin, and let's just speak hypothetically, mm-hmm. he'll be learning his third offense in four years. It's yep. not probably the, the the most horrible thing to have to do, but if you're trying to speak a third language in four years in some ways, how hard is that for the player? It, it is very difficult, but the biggest thing is is you know and and what we you know what I've always kind of believed is that you got to find out the concepts. What concepts does he know? What concepts does he do best? And you know what relates to that concept that he likes. You know, it's like like there's different types of high lows. How you can how you can attack a defense using a high low combination. Whether you're high lowing the corner, whether you're high lowing through the middle of the of, of the defense. You know, now all of a sudden is hey yeah we call that a spin dig. Oh yeah well you know we, we you know we, we called it this and okay so so just know that whenever whenever you know we call high low we call spin dig you're thinking the high low combination okay i get that concept well well who are we trying to do it off we're trying to do it off the mike Lambert. we're trying to do it off of the corner mm-hmm. oh we're trying to do it as on the roll down safety so again just learning those concepts and understanding you know how am i supposed to read it what is my progression well if, if it's something he's already done if you can get it so that it relates to him you know he'll learn very quickly, and 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 I, I you know, and I, I'll tell you, just watching Justin play, I think Justin will be able to handle. It. I really do. I think he's a, a dynamic young player that, you know, given the opportunity, just may grow into it. But again, like I said, they're in a really interesting position having the the number one pick. Being in D.C., did you ever um, cross paths with Caleb Williams? No, no, unfortunately not. You know, he was um, by the time we got there. I, I believe he is. He was getting ready to go away to college, and it was uh, the, the you know for two years we had to deal with the uh, the COVID outbreak. Hey, Ronnie, you, you've you've been a head coach in this league for thirteen straight years. Um, your name's been linked to some teams potentially. I know that there's an interview here and there's interest over here. What do you want to do? Do you want to stay? you know, involved in the NFL this year, or do you want to take a year off? What are your plans? You know, it's interesting because, you know, I don't have to make a decision right away. You know, I've talked with, with, with a couple of teams, you know, I've, I've, I've talked with people in, in the media, you know, I've, 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 I've mentioned some stuff to the league. So we'll see. I have to, I really do. It's kind of funny that, that <laughs> it's, it's kind of almost what's out there and what's coming to me. So, to be honest with you, I'm out in California right now. My wife and I are just enjoying the, the, the sunshine and a little bit of golf and uh, hanging out at the beach. It's, it's a nice of, change yeah, of pace, right. isn't it? Yeah. Like so, sometimes just yeah. getting away from it all is, is, is the best solution. It really is because, to be honest with you, you know, I watched the games yesterday, and it's funny. It's like no stress. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it is a little different after 14 seasons. But, you know, again, like I said, I've got time. I've got an opportunity to look at things. 
you know, and, and no matter what I do, I, I, I'm, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be around football. You know, it, it's what, what, from what perspective, you know, whether I'm in the middle of it or if I'm outside looking in, um, it will be around football. What about Harbaugh? You know, uh, Waddle still reminisces about the day. Well, you tell me why you're laughing. Just because you, as soon as you said Harbaugh, I can think of anybody can tell you about it. Waddle can tell you, uh, Tommy can tell you about uh, about yeah. Jim. None of us are surprised, are we, Ron? That he, no. he like he's not a not only that he's coaching, but he's been wildly successful. Yeah. Oh, not, not without a doubt. I mean, the thing that's very interesting for him is you know going into San Diego. Oh, San Diego, golly, that shows how old I am. <laughs> going into the Chargers right. situation, you, you couldn't, in my opinion, you couldn't go into to a better one because this is a quarterback league now. This really is. More so than any other time of, of, of professional football, this is about the quarterback. Do you have a quarterback to start off from day one? You are in a great situation. You are ahead of over half the teams in the league, okay, especially the dynamic one they have in Justin Herbert. I mean, that was the job everybody that was out there wanted. Now, you've got the quarterback. You've got a pretty stout, nasty defense, you know, that's got pass rushers that are hard to come by. You've got good people through the middle of it, you know, so, so you're, 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 you're in a good spot defensively. They've got some really good playmakers around them, and they've got some, they, they've got some pretty good offensive line talent up there too. So I think Jim Harbaugh's come into a cherry of a, of a, of a uh, situation. I think he can have success early on and continue to build it. I mean, you know, they, they're going to be patient. They have time, but he can do it. And in his style and his way, if these guys buy into him right off the bat from day one, they're going to be wildly successful. And we've seen the success he's had. Um, when he's had to start from scratch, he's not starting from scratch this time. He's he's starting in a very good situation instead of circumstances. Yeah. Ron, uh, we are both cancer survivors as well, and um, oh. after yeah, and we we like we had it nearly at the same time. Um, how is your health doing, and how, how are you different, if at all, uh, post cancer? Uh, you know, I, I will say this: um, health is very good. I've been very fortunate. I, I just had my, my my third year scans; they were all negative, which is a good thing. Um, I just had a, a complete physical, and, and everything came out fine as well. So, you know, right now it's just it's just again, I, I you know, you, you want to get to that five year, you know, and 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 be cancer free after five years, and then pretty much, you know, it's life is normal. So. Uh, other than that, you know, the, the biggest change to me is my perspective, the way I look at things. You know, I think I've, I've, I've developed more patience. I, I think, you know, I, I'm, I, I try to not sweat little things as much as I, I, I do um, like I used to. So there's, there, are some, there are some emotional changes, stuff like that. Just get a big, bigger appreciation for stuff. So that's why, to me, it, it's, it's kind of refreshing to be in the situation I am where, I don't have to hurry through anything. I can take my time. I can make a good decision and then see what happens this year. You know, if, if I coach, great. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll be fired up. I promise you that. If, um, if I don't coach, that's great because then I'll, be, I'll have a chance to look at it from outside in and think about what do I want to do next season, see, see if there's something there for me to do. Is there a tough transition that would exist? Would you anticipate, Ronnie, if you went from being a head coach to a D.C.? Oh, no. No, that's... Trust me, football is football. But the biggest thing, you know, Tommy, that I did the last 
four seasons or three and a half seasons for the most part was I managed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I managed. I didn't coach. I managed. A lot of little things that came up, a lot of stuff that I had to make decisions on. Some of the decisions I made weren't even involving football. Uh, you know, it was around football, but it wasn't directly football on the football field or on the football team. Those things, you know, when, 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 when you have to take from, you know, what's going on in the X's and O's, that's management. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that to me wasn't, wasn't fun. And, you know, when, when the middle of the season, you know, I made a decision to move on from, from, from our defensive coordinator and I became the, the primary defensive play caller. You know, the, the biggest thing I found was, was the connection I had getting back into the middle of things, getting directly involved with it all over again was, was, was a hoot. I really enjoyed the heck out of it. I had a lot of fun. And it was one of those things that, you know, it was, it was wow, this is all right. I get it. This, this is what it's like again to get, you know, to interact with the players and to, you know, to be there and touching things again. Like, you know, now it was, it was a different set of circumstances as opposed to what I was dealing with as the manager. Yeah. Ron, it was great to catch up. Yes. All the best and uh, continued great health, okay? Thank you, Ronnie. Right. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all take care. You got yeah. it. There's Ron Rivera, former Bear and, uh, of course, uh, longtime head coach. You said 13 straight years? I think it coach. was, yeah. I believe it was nine straight years at the Panthers and then four with the Commanders, the Redskins slash Commanders. Yeah. I thought it was really cool, too, because some people would look at a demotion, so to speak you know, quote unquote, to be a head coach to to be in D.C. Based on what he was having to do in Washington, like he said, getting back to just coaching ball may be something that would be most appealing to him. In a 13-year run, ain't bad as a head coach in that league. Uh, 312-332-3776. What was your biggest takeaway from Championship Weekend? Want to take all your phone calls? We got the good, the bad, the dirty at 530. And don't forget, We're now on till 6.30. We'll cross talk with Black and Abdallah at about 6.15.